Well, the Virginia General Assembly is off to a historic start. That's right. On the first day of last week, January 10th, the Virginia General Assembly elected its first African-American as Speaker of the House. Also, the Virginia Legislative Black Caucus has its largest membership ever in the history of the Commonwealth. It's a historic day and a historic time for the Commonwealth itself. It's Stay the Water. I'm your host, Dr. Eric Laville. We'll be right back to discuss the historic first day of the General Assembly. Thank you for joining us again for Stay the Water, where we bring movers, shakers, and policymakers to you to discuss issues important to the community. I'm your host, Dr. Eric Laville, and as always, we thank you for your support uh, as you support not only this show, but the greatest university in the world. That's right. None other than the Spartan Nation, historic and largest HBCU in the Commonwealth of Virginia, Norfolk State University, as we air on WNSB Hot 91, the Solar VA here on this campus. We hope that your new year is off to a phenomenal start and that you are sticking to your New Year's resolutions. (laughs) Well, with that being said, not only is our year off to a great start, But I want to talk to you today about the historic first day of the 2024 Virginia General Assembly session. And as we, as you know, those of you that have listened to the show, we're in our third year now. Every year we have our series, uh, General Assembly series here, because we start the year off in January with our legislative session. So it's a full two months and three, really, as we go into March, of a lot of great things that are happening, especially on the legislative front for our Commonwealth and our institution and our communities. And one of the great things I love about this time of the year is we're able to bring to you individuals, not just legislators and policymakers, but also individuals who are behind the scenes and helping to craft policy and advise members on how best to create the policies that will impact your community the greatest. And today I have with us a very good friend of mine and also an NSU alum, political strategist, Jasper Hendricks. Jasper, thank you so much for joining us here on Stay the Water. Uh, thank you for having me. Absolutely. Now, Jasper, you're not only an NSU alum but and a political strategist, but you are also here in the General Assembly, you're born and raised in the Commonwealth of Virginia. This is your home. Yeah, it is. It is. You know, did work on behalf of the university in the General Assembly session um, under Dr. McDemon, um, um, Dr. Marie McDemon, who we recently lost. She actually entrusted myself and current state delegate Candy Munden King to work in the university during the session to advocate on behalf of the school for necessary resources, and which is why we actually have like the Marie McDemon Center and uh, and also light rail and, and other things there on the campus. So, so yeah, so it's indeed a great time to be back in the Commonwealth <laughs> at this moment. Absolutely. And again, like I said, we're, we're, we're good friends and we talk politics all the time <laughs> and you've only, yeah. <laughs> and you know, we've both had similar experiences working for various members and working in politics for over a course of over two decades now. So, you know, I, I find it an honor and great to talk with you about this historic day because, you know, we both work for members of the Virginia General Assembly, both in the House and the Senate. We both know the process and we both know the struggles that it is to have and to achieve this mark that these individuals have achieved. You know, we're not just going to talk about Dunn Scott, which I think is a phenomenal story within itself, but we're going to talk about other members. From your perspective and given the history that you have, 
tell me from your perspective, what did seeing Don Scott as bids being elected as speaker? By the way, he was elected 100 to zero. 100. Every member of the General Assembly, both Democrat and Republican, elected him as Speaker of the House. And for that's tremendous within itself. But when when you saw it, what did it mean to you? It was truly a awesome, you know, experience. Um, it was very, it was, it was humbling. It was chilling. It was a lot of. There were a lot of emotions to see the black. Chief Justice of the so Virginia Supreme Court swear in the first black speaker of the House, and they're two both they're, they're both are black men, and and black men with various back you know with different backgrounds, and to see that in this day and time, you know, is one of those moments that yeah, I actually was sitting back and thinking like, man, I'm sounding like my grandparents right now. <laughs> say, you know, like, man, I never thought I'd see this in my lifetime, you know, and to see the day being celebrated by so many African men, so many black people, and not just black people either. It was, there were a lot of, there were, there were a lot of who celebrated on this day. And as you mentioned, nine, um, 100 to zero, for him to be nominated by a Democrat and seconded, by a Republican. So I'm going to talk about how fair he is in legislating and, and also advocating for, on behalf of the citizens of the Commonwealth of Virginia. It, you know, it speaks volumes from, the, you know, on how far we've come, but still not losing sight of how far we have to go. I want to, I want to make sure we point that out, that, you know, what we do at this time is very important. With this time and this moment, that we have is very important also. But taking a look at this at this day, you know, I grew up in Farmville, Virginia, mm. where they closed the schools to keep African Americans out of with my parents. My parents could not go to school in kindergarten. You know, their parents they had to, you know, find an alternative methods of education. And to see and this was in the nineteen fifties, you know, nineteen sixties. And to see where we are right now, where we have Don Scott who was the speaker of the house you have Senator Louise Lucas, who is the chair of finance and the president for Tim. We even have a black woman, you know, lieutenant governor of Virginia serving at this time. And 32 members, 32 black people serving in the Virginia General Assembly. When, again, back in the 1970s, it was only one, 60, 70s, it was only one person. So, so we, we've come we've come a long way, and it was great to see that on Wednesday. Absolutely. As a matter of fact, you and I were together in the Capitol, you know, when the swearing-in took place. And it was just so many people there, so many family members, so many supporters from Portsmouth and all around the Commonwealth that was there to see that historic moment. And, and to your point, to see the Chief Justice, African-American male of Virginia yeah. Supreme Court, <laughs> Uh, swear in an African American male as the, from Portsmouth as the Speaker of the House. It was tremendous, absolutely tremendous. And for me, I don't know about you, but it did my it did my heart good to see his mother there. You know, eight, oh, you know, I think eight. She was eighty eight years old, or is eighty eight, or but she was there. You know, and just yep. the, the emotion, the tears, his family, and so forth. As a matter of fact, according to the Virginia Mercury, it says a Portsmouth attorney and U.S. Navy veteran. Scott, 58 years old, was joined by his wife, teenage daughter, and 88-year-old mother as he took the oath of office. He credited his mother for his toughness 
and tearfully thanked his wife for believing in him when he was at his lowest, a reference to the nearly eight-year federal prison sentence he once served for drug-related offense. And, you know, it says, quote, you know, there are those who would tell you that you should be defined forever by mistakes, I said, but I'm here to tell you, do not believe them. You know, when you mention, you know, uh, not just the historic nature of it, but the significance of his great story, you know, to have, you know, unfortunately made that mistake, getting caught up, but and serving his time, but then also serving his country, uh, going to law school, becoming an attorney, mm-hmm. successful attorney, really fighting for the people in Portsmouth. And look, shout out to P-Town, right? <laughs> right, right, right. I mean, you know, yeah. I mean, P-Town is... There's a lot, but you, but you know, but this should tell everyone, you know, and we, but we need, you know, I don't want to, let me back up for a second. His story needs to be known, you know, across the country, especially in Portsmouth and, you know, in other areas where black men are, you know, I, I feel often overlooked in society and also in my community, you know, I mean, being a political strategist right now, we're going through this whole thing about, you know, we hear a lot about black women saving the Democratic Party and black women. And, you know, and it's like you, you ask, like, well, what, what, what happened to black men? And to see again, I think the significance says, you know, no matter what mistakes you may make over the course of your life, it does not have to define you in that moment. You know, it, and it's what you do afterwards is, is, is very important. And, you know, and I will point out, too, that, you know, Monday I was in Maine, in the Maine legislature. Tuesday I was in the Tennessee legislature. And Wednesday I was in Virginia. This is very different. It it was a very different atmosphere in all three. However, you know, Virginia, you know, I think, you know, showed the country how we can, how, um, Black people really bring people together of all, you know, of all backgrounds. And to see, because not only when you saw him uh, in his with his leadership, you see, you see a diverse group of chairman chairs, you know, for different committees. And, you know, and he's including young people. And he's, in, and he's including a, a young, port, uh, you know, Portsmouth native, you know, and Norfolk State alum, who uh, is now chair of... She chairs city, counties, and town committee. Absolutely. You know, so so yeah. So I think there's a lot more. We're going to see. Uh, we're going to see a lot more out of his leadership. Uh, but we need to tell his story, and we need to. You know, we need to figure out a way to amplify that. Absolutely. It stayed the water. I'm your host, Dr. Eric Laville. You're joining us for our annual Virginia General Assembly series, and in this today, in this particular series we're talking about the historic first day of the general assembly where the commonwealth of virginia elected its first african-american speaker of the house and also other historic designations and chairmanships by african-americans and women here in the commonwealth of virginia here we're talking with our good friend and also political strategist and nsu alum jasper hendricks regarding this historic moment Jasper, I want to go back just a second because I want to get into these other historic appointments as well because it's you know it's one thing to it's one thing to see the person in the front, but it's the people in the back and in the committees that are really doing the hard work of policy. But we when when you talked about telling the story, Delegate Austin is a white male. He himself 
a Republican. He said, I want to thank you for the opportunity to be a part of this moment. He said, relationships were overshadowed partisan differences. As a matter of fact, according to the Virginia Mercury, the House elected Scott as speaker in an unusual bipartisan unanimous vote. Delegate Terry Austin, Republican, seconded the motion for Scott, saying that he, quote, he's confident the new speaker will bring us together. (laughs) Now, Jasper, you and I both know, you know, working together in the General Assembly and of course at Congress is, is, is really a high bar. You know, but for, again, someone from the other aisle to initiate that, I think we were in definitely great time and an opportunity to really, really do some good things here in the Commonwealth. Yeah, I think so. You know, and like I said, it's it very different. In Tennessee, on the first day of session, they were fighting already. <laughs> you know, um, <laughs> you know, it's very, very consistent. That's I see a lot of hope. In Virginia, because I've, um, you know, because I'm involved in so many, you know, working in so many different legislative bodies, and I see that, you know, I think that Virginia can lead the way in showing that civility, and you know, that says a lot too, because I actually, you know, that's the theme of, of Sorensen, and I know, you know, I don't want to get into the Sorensen Institute at University of Virginia, but you know, and that's the thing, a lot of the elected officials have to go through that. You know, what well, they don't have to, you go through the, you go through that program there. You know, where it talks about civility and politics and, um, and you bring Republicans and Democrats together. So I think that that has a lot to do with it as well. Absolutely. According to the Virginia Mercury, when we talk about African-American representatives, it said that the growth in black representation this year, which came after a tumultuous redistricting process that forced many incumbents into retirement, was fueled partly by more black candidates winning Check this out. In wider parts of the state without majority black voting population, you know, and, and we talk about historic first. Uh, we're looking at the Virginia Legislative Black Caucus right now has 32, 32 members. Now, there's 140 total seats right between the House and the Senate and the Black Caucus, black representatives. They are now numbered 32, the largest number ever, you know. The Virginia Mercury also points out that the now traditionally, Richmond and Hampton Roads have been Virginia's centers of black political power, right? But now mm-hmm. this growth in black representation, we're seeing Northern Virginia's delegation include several black representatives, such as uh, now Senator Jennifer Carroll Foy, who's a Democrat in Prince William County, who was first a, a delegate, she ran for governor. And now she's the new senator whose victory last year made her the first black person to represent that region in the history of the Senate. Isn't that something? Mm-hmm. Yeah, like yeah, that's you know, like you said, yeah, there's a there's, there are a lot. You have, you know yeah, and I think but it's still not reflective of the population, overall population total. Right. You know, and I think so we still have a lot of work we still have some work to do on that front. Um there's and again, you know, this is the time to celebrate. You know, because we we have um, been able to achieve, you know, a lot, but we still also don't lose sight of, you know, of the goal. Um, and, and that's the way it should be, too. You know, where people, African-Americans don't live in just one area. So why should we be eligible to run in, you know, in certain areas? So, and I think we've been able to prove. But also, I want to take a look at the, the, late, the last fundraising data, too, because I think, uh, I still don't think that fundraising was there as well, and financing those candidates. So, 
Well, like that, that, yeah. <laughs> that's another conversation, right? Because <laughs> so now we're talking about the parties actually investing in the candidates that that their constituencies really want to support. But like I said, we'll talk about that on another another show because that, <laughs> that's a deep dive. But I want to kind of go back and focus on you know this historic nature because when you also look at what's happening in Northern Virginia. Also, Senator Lamont Bagby, Democrat out of Hiranko, who is also NSU alum, former delegate, now senator. He is the reelected chairman of the Virginia Legislative Back Caucus. In a press conference on Wednesday, the first day of the session, he also noted the caucus has now a dynamic duo who are running key mm-hmm. committees in both chambers. And I want to, they are the budget committee. So, Senator Eloise Lucas who is an NSU alum as well, is now chair of the Senate Finance and Appropriations Committee. And Delegate Luke Torian is again chairing the House Appropriations Committee. You know, when, when you talk about that, you know, he says that he's quoted to say that we're pretty proud of that. And uh, he said that Governor Wilder always said, start with the money and follow it. It doesn't matter what the issue is. Always follow the money. You know, Jasper, when we... When we talk about politics, we always talk about if it doesn't make money, it doesn't make sense, right? And, right. of course, there are other issues when we talk about expanding voting, ex- uh, the access to voting, expanding health care and so forth. But all that costs money, right? And to have two African-Americans chairing those committees, that is powerful. Uh, it is. And so, again, we, let's see what they, you know. Hopefully, you know, we'll be able to uh, have some results here, too, and, you know, with some line item, uh, you know, uh, budget stuff for Norfolk State and, you know, and, uh, and maybe some other the other HBCUs as well. But uh, <laughs> if we can use this to our advantage. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. Look, I, I, I want to take some time to take a look at some other historic appointments and elections to committees. Uh, we all we, we mentioned, of course, the Virginia Legislative Black Caucus. The chair reelected is Senator Lamont Bagby, NSU alum. And by the way, Norfolk State University has six representatives, six alums serving in the state legislature representing us. That's one of the largest number of graduates representing an institution. And so that's something that to show you what we produce here at NSU. Not only that, but Jasper, this election, Senator of Delegate Scott being Speaker and all of these new elections and appointments of chairmanships comes on the heel of the late, great Yvonne Miller, Senator Miller, who, for those of you that don't know, NSU graduate, also for retired professor, the first African-American born into the General Assembly Senate here in the Commonwealth of Virginia 40 years ago on last week was the anniversary of that. Jasper, you know, you knew Senator Miller, and of course you worked in the legislature as an intern under former President McDemon, and then of course for various members. What does that moment mean to you to see that this happens on this anniversary? You know, it meant a lot. Like I said, it was a very emotional, it was an emotional day, you know, just to think about how far, you know, how much progress uh, has been made from Senator uh, Miller and you know, and also, you know, um, Dr. William Ferguson Reed, who's still alive, is about to turn a hundred, wow. I believe. Really? Um, is, is, he was the first African American man elected 
to the uh, General Assembly post Reconstruction. And he's still he's still alive. He lives in Chevy Chase, Maryland, I believe now. Uh, but you know, to and to know them and to hear their stories, um, and to take the to and, you know, and also to listen to their advice um, as they you know they uh, help guide me in my uh, when I began in politics and you know and so um so to look back you know that's what i said to sit there and look at it you know the first african-american supreme court justice wherein the first black speaker you know is a day that i never thought would, would would happen but we worked hard they worked hard this is this you know this is what we got so you know Absolutely. But don't lose sight of where we got to go. <laughs> we still got work to do. <laughs> Listen, not just work to do, but also work together. You know, right. Virginia Mercury also stated, in a state that once intentionally sought to disenfranchise black voters, black lawmakers now run both committees, meaning the money committees, with voting and also with voting and election issues. Senator Ann Rouse, out of here, Virginia Beach Democrat, is leading the Senate Privileges and Elections Committee. And on the House side, Delegate Marcia Price, Democrat on Newport News, who has championed a state-level voting rights law, is chairing the Elections Committee. As a matter of fact, not only that, but when we start to look at these other historic designations, Jasper, not just the, the money committees or the election committees, but we also see, and at first I'll start in the Senate, we also have Democratic Caucus Chair. Senator Mamie Locke, mm-hmm. Democrat out of Hampton. Now, of course, Senator Locke is a retired educator. She is also a fighter, as she not only in the in the General Assembly, but also when she got her start in local politics as being elected as mayor in, in the city of Hampton, mm-hmm. city council first, and, and the like. And and of course, that's the member that I worked under uh, in the Senate as well. You know, her appointment as Democratic Caucus Chair in the Senate is also. A huge, huge opportunity, you know. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. Yeah. And um, also, let's go to the House. When we look at the House, we already talked about Don Scott as being speaker, Senator Louise Lucas being chair of the Senate Finance Appropriations Committee, and Delegate Lutorian chairing the House Appropriations Committee. But also, the Majority Leader, Delegate Herring out of Alexandria, being the Majority Leader, and also the Democratic Caucus Chair, Delegate Kathy Tran which is an Asian-American out of Fairfax. Jasper, when we talk about the Democratic Party, a lot of times we look at it from an African-American standpoint, but it's the most diverse party that we have in politics right now. Talk about the impact of that diversity when we just mentioned those two individuals that are chairing, uh, leading caucuses and leading those important committees. I mean, I think it's, uh, I mean when you say who, I don't think we ever like say I know we talk about black people in the Democratic Party a lot because we are, you know, black people. And why I am a black person in the Democratic Party, you know, I don't want to speak for you. Know, but <laughs> I don't want to label anybody. Right. But, uh, but, but I know we had those conversations. It's reality. Well, I mean, when you look at the other side, when you look at Republicans, you don't, you rarely see African-Americans um, or any other person of color, you know, or actually also gender on that side because they still have, you know, there's still not a lot of, you know, white women, with, you know, that are elected, you know, within the Republican Party. And especially not, you know, African-Americans. I think, you know, there are three black women, I think, currently serving across the country, um, in the entire country as, as Republicans in the state le- in their state legislature. Wow. 
you know, they had four, but I think, uh, you know, one loss uh, re-election, so I think it was, you know, three, you know, in the entire nation out of, you know, the set at eight or 900 black elected officials, you know, and, um, I mean, state legislators across the country, you know, and, and still, and I think there's only five black men, I believe, in, wow. in state legislature, you know, across the country, again, out of the 900, you know, black elect uh, state lawmakers, although the Democratic Party is not perfect in its support of African-Americans, um, you know, uh, candidates, you know, we, we uh, the, the party is, you know, a performing ahead of the Republican Party when it comes to the number of, of uh, people of color and, I guess, candidates who are diverse. Absolutely. You know, and when you talk about diversity, also keep in mind that when sworn in into the new role, we also had new senators. Uh, Senator Saddam Aslam Salim, a Democrat out of Fairfax, who was introduced as the first Bangladeshi American to serve in the Senate. And also Danica Rome, Democrat out of Prince William, became the first transgender lawmaker to serve in the upper chamber the latest indicator of growing LGBTQ presence in the state legislature, according to the Virginia Mercury. You know, for over 400 years, this is a quote from here in uh, the Virginia Mercury from Delegatorian. I think he puts it perfectly. For over 400 years ago, people who looked like Delegate Scott gave their sweat, blood, and tears to help build this capital. And he also stated it is his hope that all of us as Virginians will have an appreciation for history. You know, I, I, I think when we talk about the people, when we talk about the Commonwealth, when we talk about policy, when we talk about government, I think that sums it up. An appreciation not just for history, but also to understand the significance of the moment and work together here in the Commonwealth for a common good. <laughs> Jasper, my good friend, listen, it's so good to talk with you. So good to have you uh, here on the show again. Any closing remarks before we before we end? No, just remember to vote in November. <laughs> Absolutely. Listen, look. vote in November. Well, well look. It's an early reminder. It's an early reminder. <laughs> hey, you talk about the presidential election coming up. But look, we've got to get through this General Assembly first. But as always, we want to thank you so much for joining us, as you always do, on this beautiful Sunday here on WNSB Hot 91, the Solar VA on Stay the Water, where we bring movers, shakers, and policymakers to you to discuss issues important to the community. Until next time, be well, be great, God bless, and we'll see you next week. Hi, I'm Carrie Washington, and you're listening to State of the Water with a Award winning host, Dr. Eric Claville.